0: Before we get started, a quick disclosure this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing you hear is an offer or a solicitation to buy or sell any investment. And with that, hello and welcome to the Rangely Capital Podcast. This is a 15 minute long podcast, and our clock starts now. I'm Andrew Walker, a portfolio, man- a portfolio manager here at Rangely Capital. And with me, as always, is my co host and the founder of Rangely Capital, Chris Demuth. It is Thursday, March 17th, and today we are talking all about Amazon. First, we'll start by talking about Amazon itself on two different fronts. Uh, They're taking to the skies to take on FedEx and UPS, and then how they might help Staples complete their acquisition of Office Depot. And then we're going to wrap up by talking a little bit about a uh, fun activist situation at Shutterfly. And just this afternoon, we found out that Shutterfly hired the uh, current managing director of Amazon UK to be their next CEO. So that's pretty timely related to Amazon. But Chris, why don't you kick us off by starting about Amazon taking on FedEx.
1: Jeff Bezos sounds like what my five-year-old son would do if he had billions of dollars to spend. He's buying airplanes. He's investing in boats. He's doing all sorts of cool stuff. Most recently, uh, a, a plan, an agreement with Air Transport Services to lease up to 20 wide wide-body airplanes. Uh, they are reducing their reliance on UPS and FedEx. Uh, they, they are big customers. They spend a lot of money. And there's a real crunch. Peak usage at UPS. PS and FedEx is problematic all the way around, and they're doing something about it. Uh, The plan gives Amazon control over 15% of the packages it ships annually, and it really can change the relationship between them and the big shippers.
0: Yeah, I I thought it was interesting uh, on their Q4 Earnings call, Amazon CFO said, "Those carriers are no longer able to handle all of our capacity that we need at peak. We have to add some resources on our own. So obviously, they they think peak shipping is a problem. Mm-hmm. And there have been a lot of uh, stats that show Amazon shipping costs continue to grow at a rapid clip. And their actual online, their kind of shipped merchandise value is not growing as fast as their shipping costs are now. So by taking control, they can pressure FedEx and UPS on margins. Maybe they can do some more things with." kind of instant delivery, same day delivery that they can't do under the current FedEx arrangement. So it's, uh, it's a really interesting story. Now, Chris, when you think about this, Amazon's getting into this. What do you think about the risk to UPS FedEx? Is this a small risk, a big risk? How do you think about that?
1: I think it's huge. I think that the uh, pricing negotiation really will be very different, uh, especially when you combine Things they're doing with maritime shipping, things they're doing with uh, domestic air transport, uh, they're really going to have a make-or-buy decision, and they're going to uh, act like they do. They're going to push their weight around.
0: And I think it's interesting, you know, one of the things with Amazon is AWS, Amazon Web Services. It started out as an internal Amazon thing that was designed to meet their peak capacity, right? Kind of Black Friday or Cyber Monday or whatever. And they're like, oh, we have all this excess capacity the rest of the year. Let's rent it out, and that's become the dominant web service. Why couldn't it be the same here? We're going to build this for peak shipping capacity over Christmas season, and then the rest of the time, we'll run it as a competitor to mm-hmm. FedEx and UPS and push down margins uh, all the way. And You're got-
1: probably the second person who thought of that. <laughs> Jeff Bezos is probably the first. If person. only I'd beat him to it,
0: I'd have $15 billion more billion <laughs> right now. But I've got two great quotes I really like. First, a French parcel company. The French government runs the parcel company. They said... Uh, with a French accent, please. <laughs> our listeners are not that lucky. Uh, they said, Amazon is our biggest competitor. It is in the process of becoming our largest competitor. So it's interesting that they really respect Amazon as a competitor here. But then uh, FedEx had their earnings call yesterday. And they said uh, they're not really worried. They, they've they got some quote that uh, them, UPS, and USPS, anyone trying to compete with them, it'd be a daunting task. And in quotes, they say it would require... Tens of billions of capital and years years to build scale and density. And uh, Chris, when you think requires a lot of money, takes years to pay off. Do you think Jeff Bezos has do, a history do, of doing do, do, do that?
1: Do that and. Uh, While you have to spend billions of dollars, while you have to take many years uh, not having pressure from profit-demanding shareholders that are holding you to near-term metrics, uh, he's probably the nastiest competitor you could find on the planet.
0: It's so funny. He has built literally built a career on training people to think Mm long-term, taking these long-term bets that don't pay off in terms of Immediate visible profits and FedEx is out here saying like, oh, no, they're going to have to sacrifice profits if they do it. Uh, So one of the reasons I think we care about this is uh, a lot of people are investing in old line businesses, which FedEx and UPS sort of are. And they're saying, oh, they're so critical to what uh, people do that they're never going to get displaced. Nobody's going to attack them on their margins. I think cable companies are another great one. We've looked at Comcast and a couple others. We haven't really talked about them too much on the podcast. But I think this kind of shows if you are a company and your customers don't like you that much or you have very high margins and you're a problem, somebody will come in and invest and take over. Uh, anyway, switching to our second Amazon topic. Uh, Chris, how is Am- what's going on with Staples and Office Depot and how is Amazon helping them? Staples and
1: Office Depot would very much like to combine. Uh, The U.S. antitrust enforcers are uh, trying to block them. It's reasonably likely that they will succeed in court. Uh, Who is they who will succeed? uh, uh, A judge. Um, No, no, no. Who will succeed? Sorry, the government. The government government will succeed in stopping this announced murder. Yes, yes, Yes. reason. It's a reasonably strong case. Um, It is not a case that I am that well predisposed to. I, 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 I expect it to work. I do not expect, if Staples and Office Depot are allowed to merge, that they would, in fact, dominate the market or be able to set prices. In fact, I think that they could join the list of companies who were accused of market dominance by antitrust enforcement agents who aren't even in the market a <laughs> decade or two later. Uh, in fact, who might be dominating the market... Amazon. Amazon is doing a lot more business to business. Amazon might buy the uh, business to business business, allowing Staples and Office Depot to merge. Uh, and their uh, head of their business to uh, business uh, is going to be the key witness in this case if it does go to trial.
0: Yep. So just to kind of wrap it all up, Staples and Office Depot—they've been in a merger for a long time. Mm-hmm. Merger will take the kind of U.S., uh, what, uh, what would you call it, consumer office products, mm-hmm. uh, market down from three to two. So Staples, Office Depot, Office Max will just be Staples combined versus Office Max. And the DOJ says can't go from three to two. But uh, what you're saying is that's a very narrow interpretation of the market. like
1: I, I am. And if I was uh, going to think of a possibly nefarious thing that Amazon could be doing, they have somebody who's going to walk into court – possibly help the government's case but is also willing to ride to the rescue on the corporate steps and buy for a reasonable price the divestiture package that will allow this deal to go through so
0: the divestiture package in this case would be office depot specifically their business to business office products and i don't think we've talked about this on the podcast before but divestiture products are almost always an amazing buy for whoever is buying them because you have a for seller by the government who's anxious to get a deal done, and they're almost price insensitive. Is that how you feel? You're
1: negotiating with lawyers? you get to demand what you need. Uh, you basically say, here's what I need to be competitive. And yep. uh, and then you dictate your price because you have this much larger deal that's already been negotiated that can go through if your side deal gets done. So buying divestiture packages, it's just a great thing to do.
0: And Amazon, I'm sure they really need a cheap uh, divestiture package. That's what that company really needs to compete. So uh, we mentioned that their VP is going to be the key witness in the antitrust case. you have anything here else here? I was going to ask you about Shutterfly. Why don't you ask me in one second, but before we get there, just a quick request for everyone. If you like this podcast, please be sure to follow us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. If you already follow us, please rate us. It means a lot to us, and we're going to do a bonus podcast this week because enough people rated us last week. If, uh, if we get enough ratings, maybe there'll be a bonus podcast. And my voice
1: nature. will be extra loud. <laughs>
0: we're going to keep working on that, too. So, Chris, go ahead. Ask me about Shutterfly.
1: I was just wondering about Shutterfly. I was hoping you could tell me what's happening.
0: Yeah, so this is a fun one. Uh, just this afternoon, kind of right before we started taping this podcast, they announced that they were hiring the Amazon UK managing director to be their CEO. But basically, uh, Shutterfly is an online uh, photo, an online photo printing company. And they have underperformed the stock market for years. Their share price is kind of flat over the past five, six years, despite a business that's actually performing very well. And shareholders have gone activist. Uh, Some shareholders have gotten onto the board, and they're pushing pushing the company to sell. (laughs) I almost misspoken, Chris. (laughs) If I was better at editing, we'd edit that out. But... uh, On February 22nd, Shutterfly put out an 8K, and it was kind of a typical 8K. At this time, they had an interim CEO, and the 8K said, oh, here's what we're going to pay our interim CEO. Here's what we're going to pay some directors. And all the way at the bottom of this 8K, it said, oh, by the way, someone came and offered to buy us, and we flat turned them down. But they sent their offer to buy us to some investment firms without our knowledge. We're investigating the leak, but nothing to see here. And normally when a company kind of gets an acquisition offer, they put out a press release and they explore strategic options. And in this case, the company just kind of buried it. And it raised a it raised a huge flag. Uh, so that's where we are. And then today the company put out a – said they're hiring a new CEO. And actually one of the activists said, hey, we're really excited about the CEO. We put in plan a really interesting incentive system that's going to tie his pay – to the stock price, but I think uh, what comes next will will be very interesting. So, Chris, I tell you this situation. What do you think comes next for Shutterfly?
1: I think that they're going to get a offer, probably somewhere around the uh, formerly federal uh, maximum speed limit of fifty five <laughs> uh, miles per hour. So,
0: so yeah. So the the company, their share price is uh, it's at forty six today. Mm-hmm. It was in the low forties before this leaked offer happened. And uh, when you kind of look at their business, it's still performing well. And you look at it and you think a private equity firm or even a strategic buyer could probably pay 55 take out some costs, and it would represent a very attractive acquisition target. So despite the fact they hired a CEO today, it wouldn't be surprising to see them uh, turn around and sell tomorrow. And if they don't sell tomorrow, the CEO, his incentive comp is tied to a rising stock price. So it still could work out well for... Uh, investors. Go ahead.
1: If I would just add two little things that everybody that invests in individual stocks should always do, you do and I do, so I I don't know. It's almost uh, doesn't bear repeating, but carefully reading all of the SEC filings Mm -hmm. is super important, not waiting for press releases. And secondly, understanding all the verbiage that goes into the marketplace about different quality of leaks because the market prices tend to treat them sort of evenly, but some leaks are simply some bozo said something and then other people are reporting on the stock price move very, very low quality. Mm-hmm. Other leaks are just market checks. I don't even like calling them leaks. Somebody working on the deal. Yeah. And the verbiage in press that requires multiple sources is pretty clear about what that language is. That's something to watch for, too.
0: You also need... So I want to comment a little on two of those. So the SEC filings is great. In, in this case, they buried a acquisition offer in at the bottom of a typical SEC filing. And unless you kind of read the whole thing, you'd, you'd never see it. And you can find this stuff all the time. Sometimes you'll see... CEOs, they'll come out with a pay package, and if you, 8, if you look through the 8K, it'll be a $20 stock, and they have an incentive if the share price hits 50 within mm-hmm. a year. And you'll say, oh, why is that? Or all of a sudden, a CEO is getting all of his change of control agreements updated, and you're like, well, that only makes sense if they think a change of control is happening. So that's one. And then on the leaks, one thing that you have told me is uh, and taught me, and I think that's very accurate – leaks towards you need to be aware of the timing of the leak Mm -hmm. as well so you know it's december 29th and a fund with a major position in, we'll just say shutterfly as an example shutterfly is having a poor year if you see a news article that says shutterfly might be for sale it's very possible that fund started the rumor Mm -hmm. in this case it was straight from the company's source so being aware of both the source and the timing of the leak can give can help you discover the uh, credibility of the leak anything else here I have nothing to add. We have a minute left. I don't know what we're going to talk about, Chris.
1: One of my uh, earlier uh, investment activities, we needed to create partnerships. And one of the names we came up with was RTF for Read the Footnotes. (laughs) That You have to kind of have enough interest in kind of going all the way through, including seemingly boring parts. And then one of the things that you do that I try to do as well is just kind of keeping in track of over time the verbiage and how companies describe things so you very quickly can pick up on changes and differences even if it's not something that would stand out necessarily in and of itself
0: I'm going to give an example Chris and I went out to dinner last night and I won't use the company uh, but I will use the example you told me Chris was mentioning a company that every quarter they had a line of credit that they offered one of their customers. And every quarter they said, we offer this customer a line of credit, but uh, there's we don't think they're going to draw on it. And that was in their footnotes every quarter. And then I think it was during the financial crisis, they had the same line, but it said, we offer this company a line of credit, yeah. period, the end. And if you were just reading that 10K or 10Q or whatever, you would have thought nothing of it. But if you had followed it for five years and you kind of looked and compared the differences – that drop in language was a huge issue. Mm-hmm. You know, one I've been looking at a lot recently is uh timeshare, uh, timeshare companies. Uh, some of them like Marriott vacations, they've all been spun out of hotel companies, but uh, in all of their 10 Ks re- recently, they've added a risk factor that the uh, consumer protection financial bureau, is that the CPFB? Is that mm-hmm. it? They've all added risk factors that say they might be looking into more heavily regulating the timeshare companies. And, You see that, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's a consumer product. That makes sense. But last year, that risk factor wasn't in it. So interesting stuff. And it's good that they have that because
1: from the Washington side, that's something that's really getting staffed up
0: right now. All right. So uh, we have hit our 15-minute limit, Chris. That's all the time we have today. Again, if you like this podcast, please be sure to follow us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. If you already follow us, please rate us. And before we sign off, we'll just give our disclosures. We are along Shutterfly and a little bit of Office Depot Uh, I don't think we're long any of the other stocks. We aren't long any of the timeshare companies that I specifically mentioned. Uh, We may transact in the securities that we discussed in this podcast following its publication. Everything discussed during this podcast represents only our opinions. Talk to you tomorrow.